you like Grant Fisher, I told him I'd give this shout out, but he just came out with a new podcast called The Half Step Pod. He's doing it with a former teammate of his, Connor Lane, and a really good listen behind the scenes action of what it's like to be a professional. another episode of the house step pod i am your co-host connor lane and across from me as usual except this time from japan i've got my co-host grant fisher grant it's been a minute man how are you yeah it's it's been some time for sure uh i'm doing well i'm in uh tokyo right now uh at the olympic village so um all settled in got here two days ago um it's currently wednesday the 28th here i know it's the, the night of the 27th where you are so a little trippy getting around all these uh, time changes, but um, yeah, doing well, all settled in, um, sleeping on the, the famous beds, and uh, yeah, I'm having a good time. What is it, the cardboard beds? Is that what we yeah. got going on? Yeah, the beds are made of cardboard. They're kind of modular, just regular cardboard, it looks like, and then um, yeah, on top of it are three blocks of foam, uh, one kind of where your head goes, one where like your the middle of your body goes and then one where like your feet go and each of those blocks can be flipped upside down for different firmness and stuff so you can kind of customize this thing honestly it's not too bad um it's actually quite sturdy and doesn't feel like it's going to break or anything and bed's decently comfy wow okay that's honestly a five-star review compared to what i might have expected from the <laughs> i beds. wouldn't say it's five I, I wouldn't say five but uh, i'll give it like a three and a half or a four and, and and there's a lot of beds, you know, that was what we were talking about just before we pressed record. Like you, so you, you got to the village, what, uh, two days, yesterday? Yeah, uh, I got, okay. Two days Forget ago. yesterday. For you, how long ago was it? So I arrived, I, I left on the 25th, um, and arrived on the 26th, uh, because we lost a day in the time change over. Um, so today's the 28th. So yeah, two days, um. I got here the evening of the 28th, or sorry, the, sorry, the 26th. Today's the 28th. It's all good. We're still wrapping our heads around it. And we apologize to everyone. There was no Honolulu episode. That was, that was difficult to, I mean, it, it's just difficult with this. It's either 16 hours or eight hours, depending on, I think, or 17 and seven or whatever, depending on how you like do the math on the days, the differences between me and Grant right now. So we're uh, we're definitely trying to make sure we get it in. Uh, and I'm glad we could do this. It'll be a little bit of like a Hawaii recap, but also more pressingly, the village and, and your first couple of days here. So what are what are some of the things that have stood out to you in the village now for two days? Like walk me through just kind of initial impressions and then also the track side of things and like the, the life side of things. Like how is, how is everything? Yeah, yeah, everything's... Um... Everything's really cool here. It kind of feels like we're in a college environment almost because every uh, every country has their block of rooms in, in these kind of high rises uh, that make up the village. And um, everyone walks everywhere. Um, there's one central like cafeteria. Um, so it, it feels like, yeah, you're kind of like in college, if that makes sense, like staying in the dorms, um, in close proximity to everybody. And... Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a really cool setup. You see people from all different countries speaking all different languages, um, different cultures. I'm getting used to, like, when you're walking towards someone, 
I mean, depending on what country they're from, some people are used to going right and some people are used to going left. So like all the roads in Japan, you're driving on the left-hand side and on the staircase, you go up on the left-hand side and down on the left-hand side. So um, that's like a little like weird thing to that you don't really think about, but just like it's so habit growing up in the U.S. to, to always go to the right on the roads and, and like walking too. So um, yeah, the village is awesome. Uh, we're on kind of a peninsula uh, in a corner of Tokyo Bay, right next to downtown. Um, gorgeous views. Uh, we have a, a really nice balcony from my room. Uh, views of Tokyo Bay. Uh, you can see the Rainbow Bridge and, and a couple other like landmarks from uh, from our place. And um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. I, I would love to be able to explore Tokyo. Uh, unfortunately, we're not allowed to. Um, but yeah, the, the environment is really cool right next to downtown but still a world away yeah we're definitely in a bubble yeah i was gonna ask that was the next question so we talked about like the the chips that are gonna make sure you're not within six feet of someone for 15 more minutes what's it been like socially like you're obviously have to be careful we've already seen athletes vaccinated athletes go down with positives um you know at the games and to a certain extent like you can't control what really happens but you got to be careful has there been any sort of like ability to mingle with with different athletes or at least like meet people um or has it has it been very restricted to you and the bowerman guys um you know it's it's kind of there are a lot of people here um i i had heard a number that there are eighteen thousand people staying in the village um and that includes like different trainers and pts coaches staff that are here um that not just athletes so um there's too many people to like really control everything that goes on um so it's kind of like at your own risk to some extent um you can hang out with people if you want you don't have to hang out with people if you don't want um you pretty much have to wear a mask everywhere you go outdoors inside anywhere uh we're told the only time you can't wear a mat or you're not you're allowed to take your mask off would be when you're eating drinking or sleeping or competing training um, they never said anything about training um yeah like we did a track workout yesterday and i did not have my mask on during it we were outside and um didn't get yelled at so um yeah it's kind of at your own risk generally the countries stick together like you kind of roll with your country so um that's sick that's bad so yeah you kind of roll around and everyone has everyone's super recognizable because everyone wears their their national team kit or, or gear or whatever so you know you'll see Team USA, and it's instantly recognizable because we're covered in things that say USA, similar for any other country. Um, And then walking around the village, each of these uh, buildings of, they're they're essentially like apartments. Um, Every delegation hangs like their flags and stuff from the balcony. So you can see where everyone's staying. So the US building is covered in American flags. The uh, South Korean building it's covered with their flags and and like things that say team South Korea stuff like that so um, yeah it's 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 easy to identify people um, and you have a, a credential that you have to wear everywhere pretty much because you need it to get anywhere that you really want to go um, and uh, it has like your name and stuff on it so if you like meet someone it's like easy to, Very to easy. figure out their name or whatever yeah um, but people are pretty careful. Um, everyone's aware of the, the protocol with COVID and the risk that you take. 
uh, by interacting with people. Um, so it's kind of a fine line. Like this is a, a awesome opportunity to meet people from all over the world, but at the same time you need to be aware of like why you're here and you don't want to like jeopardize your chance to even compete by, by being, you know, a little careless. For sure. So does the United States have their own building because of how many athletes they're bringing or just like the majority of a building? Like, are you in the same like floors as like swimmers and gymnastics and all that? Or is it like track is its own thing? It, uh, it seems like the way that they've, uh, sectioned it is, uh, so, so your, your first question, our building is almost 100% team USA. Um, there are some people from the British Virgin islands on the very top floor. Uh, but mostly it's team USA. Um, and then it seems that each floor is kind of sport specific. Um, so for example, like our floor is mostly track. Uh, men's track and then the floor below is mostly women's track um i think the men's baseball team is maybe a floor above us um so yeah it's kind of sectioned off like that interesting and then i guess the other the other big question this workout yesterday for example is like mo is mo and kieran able to come and do the workout with y'all or is it kind of restricted so is that um, is that like a gray area (laughs) so um, first of all, the, the security here is very, very tight and very rigid. So if you don't have access to something, there's no shot you're getting in. Um, there's a pretty strong, just like, uh, military presence around. There's a lot of like guys in army uniforms and stuff at all these checkpoints, um, checking your credentials making sure like you're not bringing anything weird in, um, scanning your bags. You have to go through like uh, x-ray scanners pretty much every time you like exit the, the bubble of the village. Um, so the, the track situation is that team USA has a, a, a track that only team USA uses, which is cool. Whoa. Um, whoa. but in the, wow, not in the village, you have to take a bus. Um, okay. but unfortunately guys like Kieran, Mo, Mark, guys that I train with, uh, they can't get into the team USA only village or sorry, Team USA only track. Uh, so yesterday we went to the uh, the Olympic Stadium warm-up track, uh, which every country has access to, and uh, did our workout there with all five of us. Um, so it was fun. You know, got to have our last workout, um, all five of us together before, uh, before the race, and um, felt familiar. It, it's, I'm sure, like, anyone that, maybe isn't like tuned into the distance running scene. Like there are athletes from all different countries, all different events at the track. And they see two guys from the U S a guy from Thailand, a guy from Canada and a guy from great Britain all working out together. And I'm sure they're kind of scratching their heads. Like what's going on there? Because usually kind of the countries kind of stick to themselves as far as like working out and running. Um, So it was, it was probably kind of an odd sight for, for some people. Oh yeah, that is, I mean, it's hard to imagine people don't know Bowerman or something, but uh, totally realistic at a track, especially when it's that international. Um, I, I guess the only like normal runs, right? Continuous run days. What are you What are you doing? So you kind of have two options. Um, we were told originally that there would be some parks that we could run at, but those have been uh, been closed off due to like security measures and and also like. Uh, Japan's in a state of emergency, so uh, we we aren't allowed in the parks anymore. So 
either you go and take a bus to one of these tracks that we have access to, um, and all of the tracks are completely fenced and gated, so you kind of just run around the track, or you can run it around the village. Um, so I've done both. Um, we're here for two weeks, so I'm sure we'll, those routes will get a little dull. Um, you can do about a mile loop around the village. Um, and it, it is kind of interesting, like when you do the perimeter loop of the village, like I said, we're on this peninsula. Um, so you're like right next to the water, but there's pretty high fencing and gates. And um, like, it seems like the, the Japanese version of like the Coast Guard Navy type thing, some ships like posted up on the outside. Um, probably security measures for both uh, keeping athletes in the village and not interacting with the public um, for COVID means. And then also security means to make sure like nobody gets anything, you know, like no threat like gets brought in. Um, for sure, for sure. So, You'd love to think it was just the second one, but yeah. realistically it's threatening you from jumping over the side and swimming into the city center or something. Yeah, too. yeah, exactly. So um, the most we've been able to see of Tokyo is on these buses to the track. Um, you kind of go through downtown Tokyo and it's really cool. Um, so it's kind of weird, like you're bubbled, you're on this bus some of the residents that are walking outside that actually live in Japan, like see the bus and recognize all the signs on it that say Tokyo Olympics and they'll wave and stuff. And uh, they seem happy or are they, are they pissed? Everyone has seemed super happy. I know like there are some surveys out that said that the general populace didn't want these Olympics to happen. Um, I've also seen polling that suggests that people actually do want them to happen. It kind of seems like it just depends on the poll. Everyone we've seen, like just random people, ra random pedestrians that see our bus, I guess, <laughs> they all seem happy. Like they're waving and cheering and stuff. And so anecdotally, um, yeah, I mean, th this is a awesome. very small sample size. Yeah, pe people seem to to support the Olympics, I guess, uh, based on the waves. Yeah, it's it's really cool. There there are so many volunteers here and workers that that need to be here to have this Olympics run smoothly. And it, the village has run really smooth so far. Um, I haven't really heard of people with too many complaints and uh, every single worker is like very enthusiastic and very friendly and will try to speak whatever language the person is speaking, which is cool. Um, That's cool. So, you know, all these people, their native tongue is almost certainly Japanese, um, but there are countries that speak hundreds of different languages here. And um, just even in the dining hall, there are, you know, workers kind of scoop out the food or like get the food, put it on a plate for you. And you kind of ask what you want or how many. And uh, you kind of have to resort to like hand gestures and, and like more universal things to say like, okay, uh, you point out what you want. You say one of those or two of those or more of that. Um, you're all, you're like motioning that. with your fingers for those who yeah. can't see this, uh, this audio medium that we don't post. Right. Over right. Video version of. Right. Hand, hand signs are very important. Um, when, when you have language barriers, so it's, uh, it's cool. I, I'm enjoying myself. I was going to ask actually about the cafeteria and like the whole setup of like, you know, I feel like a lot of stuff about like, having the games in Japan, like a lot of the Olympics always take a slant of that host country. And I feel like Japan's always like on the cutting edge of whether it's robotics or futuristic stuff. Is there anything in the in the dining halls or in the like village that you've seen so far, it's kind of like, Oh man, this is like, this is so efficient and like really <laughs> uniquely cool. Um, yeah. I mean th this, this country in the city specifically does seem very efficient in everything they do. Um, public transit lines seem really efficient. Um, 
yeah, everything on the roads is very efficient. There's tons of buses. Um, within the village, there's autonomous little shuttles that, that go around. So they're self-driving shuttles. Oh. Um, so that's pretty cool. They will drive you around to different parts of the village. Yeah, the every, everything everything works smoothly. It's it's a it's a well-run uh, village. Um, I guess specifically in the dining hall, that would probably be like your highest COVID risk because that's where everyone gathers sure. to this massive dining hall. Two levels, um, first level and second level have the exact same food. Um, so it doesn't matter where you go. Um, there's plexiglass separating every single seat at, at the tables. So you're not really like too, you're close to people, but I mean, you can hardly hear the people sitting across from you because of all this plexiglass. So I would say it probably does its job with regards to like keeping air product particles like from spreading too much. Um, and yeah, you, you go in, um, they make sure you wash your hands, uh, sanitize, you put on rubber gloves, get a tray and then go around and um, it's cafeteria style. So you go up to whatever booth you're at um, and say, I'll take one of that, two of those, whatever. And uh, there's a worker on the other side that scoops it out, puts it on a plate for you and puts it on your tray. So you don't ever like come in contact with the food, um, which is smart with regards to COVID. And uh, yeah, there's all different types of cuisine. Um, there's, there's like a world area that has uh, like typical foods from all over the world. There's more of like an American menu. Um, there's a section with like more Japanese food. There's a section with uh, just general Asian food. There's a gluten-free area, um, salad bar. Like there, there's different sections that there's so many sections that I, I think no matter where you come from, you can find food that you're like used to, which is cool. That seems like a little necessary for sure. Uh, no, you know, we know, we know people are coming to this podcast for the logistics and public transport conversation. So <laughs> I'm glad we can start it off with that. But, uh, the last, uh, you know, I also encourage people to go find Woody's Instagram story, uh, for more behind the scenes looks. This is where I've kind of based a lot of my questions on. I saw <laughs> the plexiglass on his story. I was like, that seems unique. I, you're rooming with him. I didn't think you'd, I mean, I guess realistically, unless they want to double the amount of rooms in a village that was already built, you have to have a roommate. I did not think that they would do roommates just with, with the COVID risk and all. I, but how's, how's it been? How, how's your roommate Woody been? He's not in the room right now, by the way, for people wondering if he's listening to this combo. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, the village life has been good. Um, basically, how most of them work is their suite style. So you come in from the outside and there's a common room and then a bathroom or two and like attached to the common room and then uh, bedrooms branch off of that. So Woody and I are in one room um, and then uh, like Michael Norman and Rye Benjamin are in another room attached to our suite. Um, we're, we're pretty much with track people. We got Ronnie Baker in another room. Um, so a good assortment of guys uh, all from the US, uh, different disciplines. So uh, that's been cool. Just getting to know some of those guys, interacting with them. And yeah, it's been good. Um, I think I mentioned this, but Woody and I are, have a really nice room where we have a balcony that overlooks the bay, uh, which is is a gorgeous view. Um, I'm sure this would be like pretty nice real estate uh, in any other time. Like, uh, And I think they're going to convert all of these into housing after the Olympics. So uh, there's a plan to not just like demolish it all. Nice. What, what appears to be like, temporary walls that create our little rooms i 
I would imagine will be torn down and actual drywall will be put up and these will be like permanent condos um, with like stove, gas, electrical hookups and everything. So um, yeah, village village life is pretty good. Uh, and I think, I think there just weren't enough rooms to have everyone have an individual room um, because of COVID. I, these, these were built and planned well in advance of anyone even knowing about COVID. So um, there, yeah, there weren't enough rooms built for everyone to have their own room. So even when COVID hit and it would be ideal if everyone had their own room, uh, just logistically not possible. Um, and they're requiring pretty much everybody to stay in the village. Uh, whereas normally, you know, you weren't required. You could stay somewhere else. You could stay in the village a few days, like tour Japan a few days, come back. Or, um, you could have guests come in the village. All those things aren't happening anymore. So because of that, each room, I think, is pretty packed. Or not packed, but like we're probably at capacity pretty much. I mean, yeah, it is It is interesting, the whole like suite thing. Uh, you got to get each of those guys in the podcast next two weeks. That's, <laughs> that's gonna, I know you got a couple races to run or whatever, but more importantly... It's get, getting some interviews done. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the number one yeah. priority. <laughs> the last thing, before we get into the running side of things, as we approach this 10K in just two days here, um, I feel like another huge component of being, I mean, I've never been, but being at the Olympics and being an athlete there is, like, I've heard stories about this, people just going and checking out other events, you know, just like a lot of the events are relatively close to the village typically, and you go and you sit there and you watch, like, swimming for a night or you know, gym or, or, or you go, you go check out archery or, or whatever, what have you. Obviously there's no capacity, you know, just zero capacity at like these venues. They're completely closed off and athletes can't even go in to watch. Uh, have you been able to, I feel like that's a huge thing you're missing out on truthfully. Have you been able to still get into that kind of like team spirit? Like America is here and we're competing. <laughs> have you watched any of it? Are you surrounded by it? Can you like not help, but watch it? Like, you know, is it, or has it been kind of still disconnected even though you're here? Um, you're, you're still decently disconnected. Yeah. We can't go watch any of the other events, which is really a bummer. It would be super fun. There's a bunch of stadiums that are super close to the, uh, to the village that would be really fun to go to. Um, like skateboarding's pretty close by. I think tennis is pretty close by gymnastics, wrestling, all those things would be super fun to see, but yeah, we're confined to the village. Um, you can, uh, you can watch a lot of the events on TVs. There's no TVs in any of the rooms. Um, but we have some common spaces, uh, that, that we can go to, to watch. Um, so there's been like some rallying around that, but certainly not the same as if we were able to like go in person to some of these things. Um, but it is what it is. Like it's, we're, we're still here and can still like somewhat support people and you still like go by and see someone in passing that's pretty cool like we we've passed by the swimmers a few times and you can recognize a few of them and um i walked by uh Nigel houston the first time we came here the, the american skateboarder um that, that was our first night um so you still bump into some big names um i haven't run i haven't seen any of the u.s basketball guys i think they may have gotten gotten exceptions to not stay here um I'm, I'm, I'm sure they can pull some strings more so than than maybe some some track runners can i have um, to keep losing <laughs> i know i know but uh yeah it, it's well i was gonna ask i was gonna ask I was gonna, is there anyone that you you know you're you know you're a decently famous guy at this point right you know on that it's you <laughs> it's it's kd it's it's luka Doncic, it's novak like <laughs> Is there anyone in the stadium or in, in the village you think that if you saw, you'd be like, man, I really want a picture with that person. 
Uh, Sounds yeah. like Nigel Houston might have been pretty close to it. Is there anyone that you would actually go and be like, hey, man, can I get it? It's not really your style, generally. So I feel like, <laughs> is there anyone who would break that threshold for you and be like, I need a pick? I mean, I, I kind of regret not asking for a pick with Nigel because um, he was just walking by himself. I mean, I'm sure, like, the one thing is, like, you don't want to, like, swarm these people. Like, one thing I've realized, like, anyone you walk by could be, like, a gold medalist and you might not even know it. Um, but, like, ultimately, they're just, like, another person. Like, they're just another guy or, like, another girl. Like, it, it's not like... It, the. I feel like the celebrity status is, like, a little diminished when you're in the village. Like, all living on the same, like, floor. Like, sleeping on the same cardboard box. Like... It's except for U.S. basketball. Yeah, except basketball. I think I think they're out of the stadium um, or out of the village. But um, yeah, I Nigel Houston. I kind of regret not getting a pick. Um, some of the U.S. basketball players are like Luca or some of the big names. Uh, I'd probably want pictures with those guys. Like maybe Simone Manuel, Simone Biles. Like I, I'd get a picture with them for sure. Um, mm. But yeah, I haven't haven't run into a ton of people. Um, like I said, the village is so big that uh, even finding people that I'm looking for, like if I wanted to meet up with uh, with Kieran or something in the dining hall, it's actually quite hard to find people because it's so big. So, happy Is there chance, only the one dining hall? There's just there one. Like... Just one. Wow, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a heavy operation. So you can imagine how big it is. Yeah, it's, it's huge. Um, I, I think I read some stat that they serve over 40,000 meals a day, um, which is nuts. So, yeah. So, transitioning now to the reason that you're in Tokyo right now at the Olympic Games, or at least half the reason, I guess. We got this 10K coming up in just two days. Uh, it's potentially really early in the morning, East Coast, United States, and then like middle of night, early morning, West Coast. Uh, it's going to be on Friday night, 8.30 uh, local time for Grant. Dude, you're, you're two days out now. How, I don't know, or you think, what are you thinking when you think about this race? Oh man. Um, so it's certainly the biggest race I've ever been in by far. Um, I mean, obviously it doesn't get much bigger than the Olympic final, but, um, certainly a a mix of nerves and excitement. Um, it's really cool walking in and going straight to a final just because be able to test myself against the best guys in the world in, in one shot. Um, which, which will be a really, really cool thing. Um, just to see where I size up against some of these big names that I've only ever seen on TV guys that have run times like faster than i thought was imaginable a few years ago uh nice save or, i mean you know definitely not as like you can definitely catch him now you know I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, definitely not like uh faster than i'd ever imagined possible ever <laughs> no, no no a few years ago i, I yeah. my, my perspective has shifted but um good yeah it's uh it's a really really exciting time but at the same time there's certainly nerves um this is a massive stage. A lot of people are going to be watching, and um, it's the type of field that'll that'll punish you if you make too many mistakes. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a, an incredibly hard race from the gun. Uh, there's plenty of, of great runners in the field, and um, I just want to stick my nose in it and, and see where I end up. Um, I think uh, we have a pretty strong U.S. team, and I think I think we can shake things up a little bit. So. Um, yeah, certainly a mix of excitement and nerves. Um, that's how I usually feel before every race, but uh, both of those are a little more heightened, of course, just because of the stage and, and the level that I'm going to be at. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to compete, ready to get out there. And uh, yeah, we got two more days until the race and 
um, I'm excited. The other thing is you're rolling with, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's five guys in this 10, or is it six? Uh, we have five guys in this 10K, so we make up five of the 30 people in the field. Um, so a little under 20% of the field will be Bowerman people, which which will be super cool. Um, comforting in the race, just seeing familiar faces, guys that I know, um, guys that I know I've done the same training as. So if if there's a, a break or something and someone's up there that, that I train with, I know that I, I'm capable of getting up there and, and chopping it up with them. Yeah, it's it's been nice in the build-up too, just having people to train with, uh, with the same goal, um, the same target race. And like I said yesterday, we were able to do our, our final race all together, or sorry, our final workout all together before the race. Um, was it a race? No, it wasn't a race. <laughs> our, our final workout together. Um, so that was fun. And uh, yeah, we're, we're a tight group, so it'll, it'll be fun lining up with those guys. Um, first time lining up with them with, with different jerseys on. Um, but it'll be fun. Yeah. I mean, I guess you don't need to talk about what the strategies are, but are you able to maybe, I mean, at the end of the day, there's a couple guys in this race who are going to have the ability to control it. And it feels like you're, you know, the Bowerman guys maybe aren't looking to like take control of it, but is there anything you can do (laughs) as a team like strategically to kind of keep everyone together or keep yourselves in it? Like, are, are you looking to use the fact that you have so many guys in the race? I mean, besides the obvious one, like you said, that ability to know, like, hey, that guy is bridging that gap, and that means I can do it too. That's that's huge. That's that definitely a huge asset. But anything else? You know, there, there's certainly a thought of, you know, you have five guys in a field. You can um, dictate things a little bit. Um, certainly something we've we've thought about. Um, yeah, obviously not going to gonna spill too many beans on the podcast i mean i don't know if any of my competitors would actually listen to this thing but just in case like (laughs) this in right before yeah just in case i won't say anything but we do have good numbers we um yeah i i mean i wouldn't say we can like pack run per se but you know five guys that's that's the same as um the amount of guys that score in a cross-country race um it's it's a pretty solid contingent so just because of the comfort thing i would imagine like will somewhat move move around the race together just because we're so used to being by each other we know each other's strides we know how to like run behind each other a little better than than someone else with a, a slightly different stride or different back kick or whatever so yeah and and we'll all kind of be on the same page on what each other are doing so there won't be too many surprises just from us that makes sense i feel like the other crucial thing i've been hearing about tokyo is it's been like really humid is that right is that just like plugged in by the media or is that like an actual thing that's going down no that that's very accurate um it is very humid and hot here um it's been kind of rainy lately just because there was a um a typhoon that hit like 200 miles north of uh, tokyo um so we got some residual rain from that yeah so the the humidity here is certainly real um it's hot uh lately it's been pretty rainy because there was a typhoon that hit um, about 200 miles north of Tokyo in Japan. Um, so we're getting some just residual rainfall from that. Um, but yeah, the, the heat will probably play a bit of a factor. Thankfully we're racing kind of at night, so the sun should be down and it'll be a bit cooler. Um, but yeah, the, the heat and humidity is certainly a real thing. Uh, anyone competing during the daytime, it'll be worse for, but, um, yeah, us, us nighttime racers, it'll 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 be there but um it won't play as big of a factor as, as if 
than like if we were racing at 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. or something. So, um, yeah, it'll be hot. But again, it'll also it'll play a bigger factor just because of the length of the distance, though. Too. Right. You know. Right. I mean, obviously, you've handled you've run what two 10ks at this point, so you're you're an expert in the distance. But it's still <laughs> going to be a a uh, it's going to affect some guys. We don't know which guys. It'll probably depend on the day and all of that. But like, you can definitely. I feel like bank on, I mean, it might still be a very honest race, but like people are going to have to gauge themselves accurately, uh, with that kind of humidity compared to like a perfect conditions 10 K, uh, which, which I think is exciting. It's exciting for me, like with your prospects and the American team's prospects to really go in there and like, you know, like shake stuff up. Cause it, it feels like anything that kind of creates that more question mark type thing is an opportunity for you to kind of seize it if that makes any sense. Is that how you're approaching it? Or are you not even really thinking about it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, no matter what, this race is, is going to be very challenging. Um, I don't think anyone gains a, a huge advantage or disadvantage from the humidity uh, besides... You gain a massive advantage <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I would say besides <laughs> what, what you like mentally can psych yourself up or out for. Um, you know, when things are hot, when things are really cold when the weather isn't great, you see a lot of people just kind of like go into it and already kind of think that it's going to feel like bad and they're going to run poorly and kind of psych themselves out. Um, similarly, you can psych yourself up for those conditions. I know, um, always like in cross country, for example, um, if it was ever like cold and rainy or, or whatever, um, teams that came from cold and rainy climates would psych themselves up saying like, we're prepared for this. Um, these, these schools that train in warm, nice places, they aren't prepared for this weather. Um, so you can set yourself up in that, like up or down for, for conditions that aren't perfect. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I think even if it were perfect conditions, this race would, would be equally as challenging. Um, it's just the nature of the field, the, the nature of the level that we're running at that, uh, no matter how good or bad the conditions are, you're going to have to grind very early. Um, and it's a 10K, so it's a long time to go. So, um, yeah, just being prepared for that, getting, like, excited for that, um, trying to psych myself up just, just for things to hurt and to, to dig in when uh, when other people are starting to fold their cards a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's we've we've both seen a lot of championship 10ks uh and a lot of preparation just the you know youtube videos that are fun to watch i think the general ethos is it it finishes hard and it also starts out really hard and it's just kind of hard <laughs> like yeah i feel like there's rarely like a full-on tactical like we're gonna run 29 you know 28 minutes in this thing um it it seems like just the guys who win are able to kick off with something that's still ridiculous so yeah, I mean, it's definitely good to go in there without any pretenses of, of it being like a walk in the park for a couple miles, Yeah, which obviously you wouldn't with the Olympic final anyway, but it's a it's a great opportunity. I mean, you obviously had that really well-paced one that was very fast, you know, just above 27 minutes, but like in a way it's an Olympic final and obviously you definitely, you definitely, um, like it's an Olympic final, the goal is going to be the medal. It's got to be the medal, right? That's what, that's what I assume you would tell me, but and I do want to hear that in a second, but it's also such an incredible opportunity to run something like wicked. <laughs> if you can, if you can put yourself in that situation, even with the humidity, I feel like the field itself just makes up for it. So yeah. Do you have any like vision board type goals going into, going into two days out from this meet? Uh, 
Or like, do you see that as an opportunity or are you not thinking about the time at all? I'm not even thinking about it. Uh, honestly, it's just finish as high as I can, run this race as well as I can for my strengths. And um, wherever I end up, if if I really feel like I, I gave it everything and played my hand as well as I could, then I think I'll walk away happy with it. Um, if it manifests itself in, um, you know, whatever place, then, then that's what it is. Um, all I can really control is, is what I do on the day. Um, uh, can't really control what someone else does. Um, so if someone, for example, like runs the world record or something, you know, all I can do is, is do my best and, and run as well as I can. And, uh, if it takes the world record to win this race, like, then it is what it is. I highly doubt that happens because it's a championship race and it's going to be hot and humid. Could be but, you though. At the same time, you um, gotta you put but, some percentages in. But yeah, the the <laughs> yeah, essentially, like, just get out there, scrap it out, um, see where I stand against the world's best, and um, that that's an exciting idea to me. It's it's an, it's so exciting, man. I mean, one thing I'll say tangentially. Um, something I've watched in so many of these 10Ks and 5Ks championship races is like guys might separate at the bell or like 300 to go, you know, who's going to like the guys who are going to compete for the win. But like, I mean, I've seen Prefontaine and I feel like so many ends of these championship races are like guys going for it and falling back hard. And obviously like, you know, like you just said, you're competing to finish as high up as you can. That could have you in the top two with a hundred to go going for that win. But something you always do really well is finish no matter where you are in the, like in the overall race. I feel like you just have, you just have a really great opportunity as long as you're able to do what you normally do over that last 400. Um, should be, should be really exciting. Uh, it's, it's definitely going to be a grind fest out there. Uh, hopefully people are able to tune in and actually watch it uh, live, I guess, or maybe on tape delay if they have a normal schedule and a normal life. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if you have any concluding thoughts about it, just about this, this opportunity, man. I mean, it's, you know, I feel like it's, it's dumb to say this is the biggest race, like duh, but you're also so you're the most prepared for it you've ever been, you know? And I feel like that means something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think, um, the whole Bowerman contingent is very prepared for this thing. And, uh, as prepared as we're going to get, um, we got two days to go. There's no fitness to be gained at this point. Get it in, um, get it, go to the gym for sure <laughs> and get swole. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing to gain at this Do point. Um, it's just, just race time. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. I think we're ready and, uh, going to go out there and, uh, and see what we can do. Hell yeah. Last thing, and I will probably talk about Hawaii on a future app because I don't really, it seems like a really cool experience, but don't really want to get into all of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the Centro Mile, did you know that was going down? That seems, it's not ridiculous. I mean, it's only a mile, I guess. So to run that hard, that close to the race, it's still like manageable. But did you know that thing was going down? It looked like an, an awesome event, right? He ran 349.2. Um, definitely seemed sharp going into this one. I don't know, it's your teammate. I didn't know if you had any thoughts. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he had some workouts leading up to that, and we we all knew he was in pretty good shape. Um, he wanted to break three fifty, um, and uh, we all thought he could do it for sure. Um, and he wanted to get in one last hard effort before the race because the fifteen hundred isn't until later in the schedule for the uh, track and field program. So um, he had a bit more time and wanted to get down to sea level and and see what he could do and. Um, about a week before the race, 
he ripped this really nice workout. Um, and then the conversation shifted from, uh, let's try to run 350 to, you know, if we're going to run that fast, I, I'm in good shape. Why don't we like take a shot at the, the American record? Um, so the race was set up pretty well and, and it was rabbited and he ended up breaking 350, um, which was his original goal that got revised a week before. Um, but I, I think it was a successful event. You know, it, sub 350 is not slow. And I know some people probably looked at that and was like, oh, he fell short of the American record, yada, yada. I mean, that, that's a very hard record to get. Um, so, yeah, I mean, sub 350 right before the Olympics, that's a confidence boost for him. Um, you know, he's he's a very good racer, always there when he needs to be. And uh, knowing that he's in, you know, that was a, a PR for him in the in the mile. So knowing he's in, in very good shape, I think, is a confidence boost. Oh yeah, it's by no means a failure. Uh, I, I I recognize that feeling a lot, like, you know, on a different level entirely. But when when you start thinking about like, okay, I want to break four hundred five, or like, I want to break four hundred three, and like you just, start, it's kind of like, uh, if I'm gonna like, if my goal is gonna be to break four hundred three, I might as well just be like, hey, like, <laughs> let, <laughs> I'm gonna try to pace this thing to try to sub four, or yeah. you know, and I'm sure it's the same thing for four thirty, same thing for a five minute mile. But I guess the interesting part. Because we have a lot of experienced track fans who listen to us, but we also have a lot of like newer people and people who are like, hey, I'm just getting into the sport. It, why can't you do what he did, all-out race distance effort a week before the prelim for like a 10 or a 5? Like, why, why is it acceptable that he could kind of do that and still be able to bounce back? Yeah, the longer the distance, it just takes more out of you. Um, it just takes longer to recover. Um, and generally um from what i've heard from a lot of coaches is about 10 days out is when you want to hit your like last really hard effort um and i think that was roughly about 10 days out for centro that race um we had our 10 day out race or workout um Again, i keep saying i keep i keep replacing race <laughs> workout. um our 10 days out from the race workout uh in hawaii and uh had a really good session um so generally that that's when you hit your last workout um racing is an entirely different beast it just it just takes longer um an all-out 10k just you feel like garbage for like several days afterwards um and it's just not not that smart like you can't train for those days you're just feeling flat kind of just doing chunk miles trying to get your legs back so yeah 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 so I'll, i'll need to to recover from that 10 but yeah in the in the 1500 mile, you could just bounce back a bit quicker. Um, it, similarly, like <clears throat> you'll see 1500 guys run two rounds in a final and PR in the final sometimes. But if, if the 10 K had two rounds in a final, nobody's PRing in the last race. So, um, it just takes more out of you the longer the distance is. Okay. Well, Hey, I think that's, that's, that's enough in terms of like the, the, race prospects part of the pod uh and i definitely want to get you out of here it's the start of your day you, you're gonna have some pre-meet stuff i have two questions the first one is you post on your instagram story that thing that something was closed due to typhoon <laughs> but it seemed like the typhoon was very far away uh walk, walk me through that what was closed what's the deal there is it open uh what do we got that that was the uh the salon there's a haircut place slash salon in the village well, clearly um, you can't do haircuts during a typhoon yeah that so so it, there's a sign out that this is like closed due to typhoon uh which i thought was pretty funny 
um, especially because the typhoon was so far away and everything else was open. open. Um, (laughs) I haven't heard of anyone that's gone to the salon, but um, I'll let you know. Maybe I'll get a a nice uh, fade later later in the You need to get get faded up for this race. (laughs) We're going to get a fresh cut. Maybe. I will see what the salon has to offer. Yeah, as the viewers can tell, you look good now, but... (laughs) Just that fresh cut pre-race is going to be, I mean, that's kind of the vibe, I feel like, in general. Um, the last question, and you can say track, but I'm actually going to take that out. If you could be an Olympian in any other Olympic sport, uh, what would it be and why? And if you say basketball, I'm going to make you also choose a different one that isn't just because, <laughs> like, being a, in the NBA would be sick. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like, if you could be so good at another event, a world-class, like, top-of-field kind of guy, what would it be? I think uh, one of the team sports would be really fun. Um, so I'll go with soccer. The The team sports, just, like, having that camaraderie at the games, um, having that group of people, that team, uh, just seems really cool. Um, you see a lot of the sports teams that are team sports here kind of roll together as a pack, and um, they're always having a good time, and... It, it seems like a, a really fun environment to be on a team sport. So I'll, I'll go with soccer. Sick. I do. I've been watching a lot of rugby sevens. It is gnarly. That stuff is so cool. I, if I was not super skinny, I, you know, and kind of avoided like violence and getting hit, I would definitely be into that. Um, if I could just get hella jacked and do rugby, the United States was doing really well, man. Then a shock upset in the quarters. Uh, they blew a huge lead and now they're, now they're going home. Uh, well, I guess, no, yeah, I guess they do go home. They don't even get to stay. That's, that's, that's pretty sad. So, uh, was rooting for the, for the U S team there, but man, rugby, I've been watching a lot of rugby on like the NBC sports recap thing. And it's, it's been pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. The, the team sports seems super fun. Um, rugby, soccer, field hockey, I mean, the, the list goes on, but yeah, those, those teams always look like they're, they're having a great time. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think I'll, I'll go team sport. Yeah. Just cause I do an individual sport. Maybe, maybe the team sport people, if you ask them, they would want to try an individual sport. Um, Facts. just to like rely on less people and just see like individually what they can do on, on the world stage. But, um, yeah, I'll go team. You're also making up a six of this 10K final. So, uh, true. Low key, like lowest of keys, because it's obviously an individual sport. Team sport for you on Friday. Yeah, yeah. Team score. See what the team score is at the end. Yeah, let's see what the team score is. Chop it up against everyone else. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Uh, I don't know if you got anything burning that you want to hit before we get offline. But if not, we'll probably uh, peace out and catch everyone else next week. You got anything for me? Yeah, no, I'm all good. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to another episode of the Half Step Pod. We'll try to do one. We'll try to do one after the ten. You've got rounds, and you're going to be drained. So we're going to try to get that in. If you can't get that in, also fine. Uh, obviously, the priority is the games, and uh, if not, we'll recap after all three of the races. But yeah, you just will coordinate, try to make it work. But thanks everyone for listening to another app. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we're getting locked in for this this ten k here in a couple of days. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys.
Um, so we got some residual rain from that. Um, but the, the heat and the humidity is, is certainly a factor. Um, it'll probably play a factor. Um, <laughs> why do you keep opening the lens? <laughs> Don't open that bar next. Because that's going to be so loud. Just do it quick. Just do it now. Open all your shit <laughs> now. Life is glamorous in the village, I feel like. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I... Wait. Whenever, yeah, whenever, whenever you want to jump back in, I'll, I'll, I, you probably can gauge it better than I can. No more. Uh, all right, all right. I think we're good to roll. Okay, you were talking about roll the tape. Uh, if Woody wants to give a cameo at the end of this, that's totally fine too. People loved it. It was. What do you want to give a cameo? It was the biggest episode. No. You got it. All right. All right. It's just me and you. Um. Yeah, so the the humidity here is certainly real. 